Hello and welcome to Tea or Books. I'm Rachel. I'm Simon. And welcome to episode number 68, um, in which we will start off with tact or attack, um, which is Simon's term, I might say. Um, <laughs> I should we talk about books that we hate or should we keep quiet and let people discover them for themselves? Um, and in the second part of the episode, we will be comparing two 19th century novels, um, North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell and Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. Interesting. Yeah. So first of all, Simon, how are you? What are you reading? What's going on? I would also just like to add that um, I am multitasking this episode and ironing while we do this. So if you keep hearing strange sort of steamy noises, it's just my iron. Don't worry. <laughs> the first time our podcast John. has ever been described as steamy. And <laughs> <laughs> never will be again. <laughs> uh, I should also say that at the end of this episode, um, for, for, for the next episode, we're going to be doing what we did about a year ago and um, swapping recommendations for books we think the other one will love, and that's what we'll be reading for the next episode. But we, do, we don't know what they are yet. We'll find out at the end of the episode when you find out. Oh, can exciting. I just ask a question on that? Oh, please, we... yeah. Because I based my recommendation on looking at your library thing, but obviously you don't necessarily own everything you've read. So that was that a reliable thing to do? Well, it's certainly a, a good bet, I guess. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll find well, out later. I'll, I'll have an, another one in reserve just in case, but I don't think you've read it. Anyway, okay. sorry, carry Exciting. on. I also have one in reserve in, just in case you've read the one I've suggested. So last okay. year we did um, You Recommended Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner, and I recommended The Boat by L.P. Hartley, and they both went down well. So. Yeah. So yours was about twice the length of mine. Yes, I it was. to me this year. <laughs> Cheeky. Uh, this year I've chosen something much shorter. Thank you so much. So yes, watch the space. But to go back to your question, thank you. I'm very well. I've just been on holiday in lovely Landmark Trust property uh, in, in oh. Herefordshire, which in fact was one, a holiday I think I originally organised with you in mind, and then you couldn't come. Yes. So <laughs> we thought of you. We raised a glass. But, um, thank you. There were six of us who going as near as we could get to Hay and Wai in terms of us staying somewhere. And we went, had a lovely day trip to Hay and Wai. Uh, two of the people present, one being my brother and one being my um, friend, Will, married to my friend, Lorna. Um, less bookish than the rest of us, less less excited about spending a day in Hay and Wai. And <laughs> lo and behold, Richard Booth's bookshop is open to cinema. So they were able to go and watch Stan and Ollie whilst we were. Oh, lovely. Do you know, I really want to go and see that. Yes, they both liked it. Oh, good. And yes, the, uh, Richard Booth's bookshop only does one film a month, apparently, but, yeah. but luckily it's one well, I wanted to see. Yes. And it's very good for, for less bookish friends, or, or perhaps just friends who are content reading books they already own rather than buying many more. <laughs> <laughs> but, Compulsively. Yes. Oh, hello, Hargreaves. Are you jumping on the table? Great. Um, and what I'm reading is Alice by Elizabeth Elliot. Um, oh, one of the... Yes, on the new Dean Street Press, Ford yes. Middlebrow reprints. Um, and I don't think I've said on the podcast yet my self-imposed reading challenge for the year, uh, which is very loose, but is is broadly trying to read as many books as I can with people's names in the title. No. Right. No. Sorry, that was <laughs> that was Hargreaves uh, thinking about jumping on top of the bookcase. So, um, yes, so uh, I thought after a century of books, I don't want to go... To completely unstructured reading that felt a bit too, um, a bit too, I don't know, unstructured, I guess. And but this uh, challenge seemed to me to, to in quite a fun way. Ah, sorry, 
Can attack. My headphones. <laughs> it's been a disruptive episode. I'm leaving it all in. People love it. Uh, um, <laughs> and I thought, people's names in the title, I counted, I have 145 novels with people's names in the title that I've not read. So plenty of choice. Uh, and it doesn't really restrict me in terms of what genre or what period or any of that sort of thing is right it's quite a nice way of just helping me select my reading and it's not that i'm reading exclusively those it just um will help me guide my reading a bit and so is, is the aim to read all of the books you currently have with a name in the title so just get through them well i don't think i'll manage all 145 because i right but um well as many as as i want to isn't that amazing that you've got 145 i know um, I wasn't. I didn't really know how many. Because I, when I was trying to think, I could think of maybe about ten that I had that I wanted to read, and then I just went my through my library thing. I was like, oh, I've got loads. And some of them I don't particularly want to read, but most of them I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and Alice indeed was one of those that relatively recent edition because it's only just been republished. But um, so far, I'm really enjoying it. It's about somebody in late adolescence. I guess she's um, leaving school, uh, and entering sort of social world i guess it's very funny and it's it, it, uh, the blurb compares it to rachel ferguson and barbara cummins and for once i think these author comparisons are, are accurate <laughs> normally yeah. um, you see them and think well, i'm not sure that makes any sense to me but this one it does it does have the sort of um i guess eccentric tone of rachel ferguson with the matter of fact uh, uh, matter of fact way of looking at the absurd of barbara cummins and but and they combine very nicely how about you? What are you reading? Well, I literally read today, I mean, in a day. I had a very long change journey to my parents because of uh, Sunday um, engineering works, oh, which fun, meant fun. that the train was went all around the houses. So I um, had plenty of time to read, and I reread We Have Always Lived in the Castle for my work mm. book, book group, which was actually um, less good than I remembered. Oh no! I think perhaps because I knew the the, the twist, if you like. Yeah. Um. So I was just sort of like, oh right, yeah, no, okay. Um. As I was reading a lot, I mean, it's still a wonderful book, but it was just, I was a bit like, well, there's not really any suspense here, is there? Um. But yeah, I mean, good, you know, fair enough. And it's actually made me think. Oh, I'd like to. I must get around to rereading her other ones that I've read before. Um, and I had a hilarious read this week where I, I was naughty, actually. I'm going to admit this now. I, did, I have bought a couple of books. <laughs> so we're both um, horribly failing in our new years. Yes, I mean, I just can't. I can't go cold turkey, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I have, but it's, it was a good purchase. And I thought to myself, I'm allowed to buy this as long as I read it this week. Because <laughs> if I buy it and leave it on the shelf, then it means that I've, I've bought an unnecessary book. But I'm buying this because I actually really do want to read it. Okay. And I bought a very nice 1930s edition of The Postman Always Rings Twice, which I've always wanted mm. to read. It's a good title. Um, yeah, and absolutely hilarious. Brilliant. Like, hilarious in a, it's just the most um, stereotypical <laughs> American, um, you know, like, I would do the accent, but I won't embarrass myself, <laughs> um, kind of hero slash villain voice and it's every cliche about american life that english people believe um and it was just wonderful and really quick but just brilliant i just love the voice of the character and i actually listened to some of it on an audiobook because i'm trying to see whether i can do audiobooks while i was doing something else and i loved the voice of the person who was doing it it was free on youtube it was great um yeah so i really enjoyed that and i thought oh you know i'd really like to 
to try some more books from the 1930s in America. Um, but, you know, obviously I can't buy any, so I'm going to have to... <laughs> it's going to be added to my list. Um, so is it intentionally and, funny, yeah. or do you just find it funny because it was absurd? No, funny because it's absurd. No, it's okay. not intentionally funny. <laughs> um, it's kind of real trash, you know, but yeah. brilliant trash. Um, and I'm still making my way through The Long Weekend, which I think I talked about last mm-hmm. time, um, which I'm really enjoying. Um, but it's very long, about 400 pages. So, um, and you know, it's the kind of the book where it's, it's really interesting and I, and I want to look at all the pictures and then, um, every chapter I read, I then end up going and getting my computer and going researching something that he said. So it's just taking me a while to get through because it's, there's so much to learn and, and to, and to discover. But, um, yeah, I really do recommend that. And it's currently, I have noticed actually today, it's only 13 pounds on Amazon. So if anyone isn't on a self-imposed plan, it is. <laughs> Um, a nice little treat to get for yourself, especially with this uh, dull winter weather we're experiencing at the moment. It's a very nice Sunday afternoon book. Ah, pretty nice. Great. Right, so we get started on our first topic. Yes. So we will um, move into, a, should you talk about whether it were books you hate or should you just keep, keep it to yourself? But... <laughs> Perhaps indicating which way we're going to go on this, we've both compiled a list of books we ate <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> um, so let's. Was that quite difficult for me? I found it quite difficult, partly because I decided to only include books where I'd finished them because I thought. Oh, okay. You got books that you'd given up on because you thought. Yeah, partly because I thought it's fairer to talk about it um, more critically, publicly, I guess, and partly uh, just some you know, whittle down a bit. But then I realised in recent years I, I have largely just given up on books that I've hated. Um and in fact, looking at my the list of five that I put together, all of them were books that I read for book group or for podcast. So interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's books often I mean books that people have chosen for you. Yeah, I mean I guess I feel more obliged to finish them if they're yeah. for something like that, whereas otherwise I just have given up. But um Start start with with one on your list and tell me what it is and why you hated it. What what about it you hated? Okay, well, um, probably the book I hate the most in the world, <laughs> um, and it's a bit of a it, it's a bit of an annoying one to hate because it it often comes up as part of my occupation in terms of having to teach it is Wuthering Heights, uh. um, which I. I have no words to explain how much I detest this book. Um, not only is it badly written, um, it also has one of the worst examples of vernacular speech in um, <laughs> of all novels. Having to try and read Joseph out loud to a class of teenagers um, <laughs> with his broad Yorkshire dialect is something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Um, and I just, I hate all the characters. I don't understand the point of it. I don't understand why it's a classic. Um, and it's it's just the kind of thing that I think if this was written nowadays, it's like the twilight of the it's basically the twilight <laughs> of the nineteenth century, and I don't understand why we're still being forced to read this and to consider it as something amazing. Um, I asked people on Patreon uh, what what they what books they hated. Side note: yeah. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. You can support us at patreon.com/tealbooks. Many thanks to all who do, particularly to <laughs> Randy Gracie Elizabeth. 
and Liana. There you go. A little, <laughs> a little oh, bit there. Um, but yes, yeah, so Gracie agrees with you. The first thing she said was, Wuthering Heights, I listened to an audio version on a very long drive and found myself yelling at the narrator that Heathcliff and Kathy should just shut up and die already and put everyone out of their misery. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Gracie's on team hate, hate Heathcliff. Uh, Thanks, Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> See, I read it uh, when I was um 18 just for university it was on my reading list and i remember i remember thinking it was a brilliant book but i hated it <laughs> so i just i hated i found it heathcliff so monstrously evil to read about um that i thought if a book can make me feel this way then i guess it must have done something right but i don't understand how anyone thinks it's a romance that was... it's just bizarre it's just a bizarre book i just I have no, I haven't read it several times. I've had to teach it several times. Each time I've taught it, all the children that I've, I teach have also hated it, probably because I've kind of covered their judgment. I, <laughs> I, do, I do always do my best not to do it, but um, I can't help myself. It's the faces I make when I'm reading <laughs> it, I think. Um, and it's just, yeah, I just find it, it's kind of like, what do you take away from this book? What do you walk away from this book supposed to, you know, it's supposed to feel or what are you supposed to learn from it? I mean, I'm like, I've learned nothing from this book apart from that don't fall in love with a crazy person. Yes, yes. Um, well, there we go. There's number one. I'll yeah. do one, the first one from my list, which is actually the reason that I thought about this, because you may recall that last time I said I was reading Bautasar and Blumunda uh, by I now have learnt or at least I'm closer to learning how to pronounce the name of the author, which is Juicy Saramagu, apparently. So, um, ah, okay. Mago, as I've been saying. I was going to say, I don't know who you mean. Now I'm thinking, oh, yes, that's how I pronounce it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, which last time I said I was quite enjoying, and, <laughs> and it's got worse <laughs> it and worse. It all went downhill. <laughs> um, so I think I may have mentioned last time. So it's a novel about the Portuguese Inquisition, um, which I didn't even know existed. But apparently, at the I same time, there's the Spanish Inquisition that was also happening in Portugal. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't have a of a good track record with historical fiction anyway, but that wasn't actually the problem with this one. It was the fact that um, sentences were often a page long with just commas, never, no other punctuation in there. Uh, there was no... Grammar. I know. So then, then there was no um, speech marks. If someone had, if there was a conversation, it was all, all the words were just in one big paragraph. You had to sort of work out who was saying what. Um, and those are the things that I apparently couldn't get past. And apparently, according to um, the very nice couple who chosen it, who were both, um, both in their first language is Portuguese from Portugal and Mozambique, respectively, they said um, that it's much easier to read in Portuguese. I don't, I don't quite know how or why that would be. Is there punctuation in Portuguese? Well, I don't. I, yes, I mean, my knowledge of Portuguese is nil. But, um, <laughs> but I was more than willing to believe them when they, cause they, had, they had done the compare and contrast. But yes, I just that was an obstacle I could not get past. I, if I, and it's the reason I hate Henry James, for example, is, you know, the, the endlessly long sentences that don't make any sense by the time yeah. I got to the end of them. So there you go. Bra- grammar. <laughs> that's That's a... Something I cannot overlook, it seems. Yeah. What's your second one? Okay, so I have an irrational hatred for this author. Um, it's just I, I, I get these feelings about people sometimes and I can't get past them. <laughs> um, but I do feel that this is justified by the rubbishness of her books. Um, Zadie Smith and the one that I have hated the most so far has been N.W. Um when I got okay. to the page where the writing was laid out like an apple tree, 
was the page. I can feel the disdain in your voice. <laughs> yeah. This was the page that sent me over the edge and the book went sailing across the room and I did not finish it. It's the biggest load of, I mean, she just writes the biggest load of pretentious twaddle I've ever come across. And I just, I don't find it clever. I don't find it skillful. I just find it um, soulless and not particularly great. Um, and I just thought yeah. NW was the most absurd attempt at attempting to be clever and literary without actually ever saying anything and having utterly cardboard characters who, to me, uh, it was just like, okay, this character represents uh, the middle classes, so therefore she's going to say a load of stereotypically middle class monologues. And this character represents the working class, and she's going to say a load of stereotypically <laughs> working class stuff. And we're all going to have really deep and meaningful conversations about the anxiety we feel about our class situation. I'm like, who talks like this? Who are these people? How is this in any way an accurate representation of, number one, what it's like to be human, number two, what it's like to be a Northwest Londoner? So I just, um, yeah, I just I have no time, no time, and I don't see... I don't see the wonder in it. I didn't like White Teeth either. I've tried I've tried all of her books, and none of them I like. Well, because, definitely persevering. I mean, you know what? Because I like to give people a fair chance, and everyone says she's great, blah, 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 wins awards. So I thought for a long time, well, maybe I'm just being unreasonable. Maybe there's something to this that I just can't see, and I have to keep trying to find it, and I keep trying to find it, and each time I, I don't. So that's how I feel about Sadie Smith. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Sadie, if you're listening. But um, I have sure never... not. So... <laughs> not anymore. I can say what I like. <laughs> I have not read anything by her, although I have owned On Beauty for a long time, because I really I'm like her. I'm in Dave Potter. Just Dave Yeah. Well, you're... sadly, I've recommended Sadie Smith as your choice for it. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I will... Let's see which one for my list shall I, shall I pick. Um, the Masters by C.P. Snow. I can't remember if I've already complained about this here. This was another book group one. And the reason this comes to mind, I think, is because I was so disappointed because I thought I'd love it. So oh. it was all about electing a new master of a, of a I think it was Cambridge College. Um, and it was the most boring book I've ever read. And I finished well, it. To but... be honest, I mean, the subject master does sound kind of dull. But it's also, this, I mean, that sort of thing is, you know, dull lives. I love reading about dull lives often. I think, if, if, <laughs> or at least, you know, ordinary lives. Um, and college politics is a lot of potential there. I think, particularly since I was in an Oxford college for so long, I would hope, thought I'd recognize a lot of it. And, um, authors who can write well about the everyday, you know, we always love those sorts of things. But this, yeah. this one, I just, I just, I didn't care at all. And I think it, the first thing that CB Snow would have had to do is make the reader care. And if you can't do that, then it's just lots of people arguing back and forth about who should be the master mm. with no, there's no stakes, I guess. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. Over to you. <laughs> I mean, I haven't even heard of that book, to be honest. I've heard of the author, but... It's part of some long series. I think possibly in the middle of a long series that's called Strangers and Brothers, maybe, something like that. I think it's book four of maybe, yeah. 10,000 or something. So... <laughs> uh, something to give with. Or well, he was married to Pamela Hansford Johnson, who oh. I do quite like. So the marriage is not yeah. lost. <laughs> I've heard of her, but never read anything about her. Um, okay, well, my next one is The Luminaries oh, by yeah. Emma Catton, which um, you may remember I read a few years ago. I can't even remember the year it was on. I think it was maybe tw- 2013. It was the 
book, it won the Booker Prize. It did, yeah. Um, and I had to read, I was doing the Booker Prize reading group at school for the sick formers, and so therefore I obviously had to read them. Um, and it's like 800 pages long. It should have been great. I mean, it's supposed to be basically a, a not necessarily a pastiche of, well, it is a pastiche of a Victorian novel, so it reads just like one. I mean, that side of it is brilliant. She does write really well, and it's literally just like a Victorian novel. Hmm. But um, the subject matter was dull. The whole concept of the book is that you basically go back over the same event from loads of different people's perspectives. Uh-huh. But because it was so long... I mean, obviously, you can't sit and read. It's the kind of book where if you're going to get on with it, you have to read it in basically a couple of sittings because you have to have everything fresh in your mind. You need to have remembered what that character said and then Mm. be able to read it into the next person. But who can read an 800-page book in two days? So um, I read it over like seven weeks or something, and I got to the end, and I thought, I have literally no idea what's just happened (laughs) Um, or whether like this is even... I didn't... Like There seemed to be no point to the ending i was kept waiting for a twist or for some kind of explanation yeah. for that what had happened and it just never came and then just like the, i can't even remember what happened at the end but i just remember thinking like for goodness sake i've been reading this book for seven weeks and that's it that's no and then i threw that book across the room um, <laughs> that's quite a, and, quite a shock but i was just so cross and I just thought, what a, again, it's style over substance, a bit like Zadie Smith. So it was really clever. She clearly had this idea, it was like, oh, I'm going to do this really clever thing about planetary cycles, and my book's going to reflect the different, I think it's like different phases of the moon or something, I can't remember. <laughs> and, um, you know, each part was a, was a different length to reflect the different lengths of the phases of the moon. Um I just thought, you know what, love, just you know, <laughs> just tell your story and tell it properly. Yeah, Let's reduce down. it by 500 pages, and we probably would have had a pretty decent book here. <laughs> but um, she didn't, so there we are. That's a book I'll never be reading again. And I have to say, I do see it very frequently in charity shops, which yes, for me is always yes. a sign of a book people don't enjoy. Yes, I do know quite a few people who read it, and all of them seem to... I did, well, some of them ended up not hating it as much as that but certainly all of them seem to struggle and you know it was the one it's the book where they're like i've been reading this for months and it will never yeah. finish <laughs> never, literally never going to end i mean a couple of people on my blog um in the quote in the comments that you know i was just stupid and hadn't understood it because oh, they'd gosh. found it to be the most you know life-changing book they've ever read and i was like well great good for you but yeah. <laughs> for me um take a quick Quick Patreon break to some of the other titles there. So um, something that comes in for a lot of hatred here, uh, so it was originally mentioned by um, Elizabeth, is Eligible by Curtis Sittenfeld, which is appropriate uh, to this episode because it was a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Um, and I hadn't heard of Curtis Sittenfeld until, I, until that book came out and I haven't read it because re- retellings, unless they're the film Clueless, often don't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> um have you, have you read that one? No, I haven't. I mean, I, keep, I have actually kept meaning to read books by her because someone told me that Prep was really good. My great Norna likes her. She read. Uh, she bought one of her books in in Hailmay. But um, I mean, I haven't read anything now. Uh, and then Joanna says um, the most hateful of all the authors is Haruki Murakami. <laughs> um, I've read one book, Kafka on the Shore, and it will never touch again. Overly violent, sexist, and pseudo-philosophical. It felt like a teenager working really hard to impress you for about 600 pages. Oof. Blimey. Not going to run towards that one. 
And I've not read any Murakami. My book group did do, um, maybe it was Norwegian Wood or something, but we couldn't get there that time. And maybe I dodged a bullet. Maybe you did. My, my, my um, dearly loved colleague at work um, loves all Japanese writers, and she's always banging on at me to give him a try. But, I just, yeah, I don't feel like it's going to be something that I'll enjoy. Yeah. And then um, my friend Marley has put um, oh, Agatha Raisin she really didn't like. Yeah, I can imagine one. that wouldn't be my cup of tea, but tweeny. Yeah, I've I had some coffees once and then I gave them away without reading them because I thought I'll just read Agatha Christie <laughs> instead. Um, and then uh, Short History of Traps in Ukrainian. I can't remember who wrote that. M- Marine or something? Uh, Lewinska. Le- okay. Um, and yes, she can't remember what specifics, but, but remember niceness, emotional cruelty, and or bigotry of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, well, what a damning terrible list. combination. Which, yeah, that was that was the one that everyone was reading in about 2002 or something. Wasn't yes, it? I remember that very well. And it's also another feature of most charity shops. Yes, and indeed, I think it maybe set, a long time ago we did our simple versus complicated titles theme yeah. thing, which another of my brilliant ideas. But uh, <laughs> that was certainly seemed to set off a whole bunch of stupid titles that didn't mean anything, um, or rather meant things that the book was not doing. Yes, that had nothing to do with the contents. Some very disappointed tractor fans yeah, in exactly. Kiev were buying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, my third one, a um, little predictable, but The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. I'm surprised you've actually read it. Well, it was a book group book, and this is actually a book group I was in when I was 18, back in Worcestershire. And I think it was basically because everyone was talking about it all the time, and this group of people, most of whom had quite similar tastes, to me and did, would, didn't particularly want to read the business, just thought we need to find out what the fuss is about. If we make book yeah. we read it, then we'll read it. And everyone hated it. Uh, it's just... A, I, I mean, feel like I have read it, actually. Okay. I feel like I might have read it about the same time and had a similar... I think... And I probably had a similar reaction to you. So yes, undeniably Pacey. Well, definitely, he's definitely got a talent for that. But just sentence by sentence, so astonishingly badly written. That yeah, you just, I mean, terrible. Just, I mean, I did feel also I got to the end and thought, as a Christian, I should be offended by all the blasphemy and you know the heresy in this. But what's really offending me is mm-hmm. just the terrible quality of the writing. It's just your praise, actually. Exactly, and just. Um, the, every you know, all the products dropped, and you know the. Uh, mentioned and um, the fact that world's leading cryptographers can't do mirror writing <laughs> just <laughs> come on but, I mean I, was, I mean sort of thing I think what was the editor thinking but the editor was obviously thinking this will sell millions of copies and it did so well I yeah mean? I mean they're not wrong and I've, I think something that I remember irritated me about it is how short the chapters were I was like seriously yes it's like goosebumps but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which we should do an episode on sometime. I love them, but um, <laughs> yes, uh, Dan. I see, I see me still going, still still pumping books oh, yeah, out. Yeah, well, I mean, and the thing is, he's made his money, so good for him. Yeah, yeah. If I could do it, well, I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your? Are we on fourth, third, fourth? Third? No, fourth now. Yeah. Um, my fourth one, which was a great disappointment to me, actually, was the children's book by A.S. Byatt. Okay. Um, which should tick every box for me, set in the Victorian Albert Museum in the nineteenth, uh, late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, what more would there be for me to yeah, love? Like, very my, of my Probably one of my most famous favourite books, Possession. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, this is great. I'm going to have t- 
time of my life. At the time when it came out, I was working at the VNA. I mean, are, yeah. all the stars were aligning, and it was just the longest load of twaddle I've ever read. <laughs> and with like, just it was like she'd done all this research on the nineteenth century and thought, well, I am going to find a way to get all of this in. Yeah. Um, I don't care how long it makes the book or how boring it makes it. <laughs> and so it was just one long diatribe of you know these are all the things I know about the about the 19th century and every single character is going to behave in a completely stereotypical way and do exactly what you expect them to do because they're living in the 19th century. And when we got towards the end and I was like, oh, here we go. All the sons are going to die in Marvel 1, aren't they? And then that was when I was like, well, that's it. <laughs> and Spoilers. I, I'd predicted everything that was going to happen and it was just really boring, actually. Um, and and very long again, wasn't it? Very long. All the characters were just total cliche cardboard cutouts. And at that moment, I thought, A.S. Byatt, how on earth have you managed to create a career for yourself as a respected author and academic when you produce such, you know, utter tripe as this? <laughs> um, and I don't really think actually that many people read her. I think she's one of those people that manages to, has got a reputation for herself, but Again, always her books fill the charity shops. <laughs> that is that is true. Sorry, AS. Antonia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she always seems to just come up every now and then saying that she doesn't like Harry Potter and that gets her in the headlines for a bit. Yeah. But I do or, like you know, moaning about her sister. Yes, yes. Um, who recently said that she loves Lee Child books? Margaret Drabble said that. So yes, you. I read that somewhere. Where did I read that? My friend <laughs> Paul, who loves Lee Child books, felt vindicated. <laughs> Um, yes. Uh, well, my next one is by another sort of doyen of people don't read them. Um, Iris Murdoch, The Sea, The Sea, which I mentioned I didn't like in a meme on my blog the other day and got all sorts of people telling me off in a very nice way, actually, but, um, people were slightly horrified. But yes, I thought I'd read The Sandcastle and I didn't particularly like it. And I started reading The Sea, The Sea, uh, and I thought I cracked Murdoch because the writing was lovely. Uh, and it just got more and more insane and, and not even, intentionally insane. I thought maybe it was a clever, like, unreliable narrator, but it didn't seem to be that. So essentially this this man um, discovers that all his past loves live in the same remote village that he's moved to, and then he kidnaps one of them. Uh, and no one seems much to mind. And it's all very... And he later goes to tea with them after he's returned her, to her, to her um, I think, husband. And, yeah, it's just... I, I, I did look up to see if it was the end of her life and if maybe she was, you know, obviously she had to, very sadly had dementia and I wondered if that was, you know, had already set in. But no, it was a middle career thing. It just, it so frustrating. And I think a, a hallmark of many of these books is also extremely long. I think it's easier to forgive a book if you can get over it <laughs> in 250 pages. But when it's oh, twice yeah, that and it's insane, you're just... <laughs> um, I went to book group very excited about venting and, yeah, everyone felt much the same so. <laughs> so I've never tried any Iris Murdoch I have to say she's uh, one of those kind of mid late mid-century authors that I have never felt any particular desire to read there's definitely people who love um, and, yeah, and bloggers who are, whose opinions I often share I really love her but yeah. I, think, I think I'm twice and out now yeah. wow um, who's, who's your final one Final one for me is Ivanhoe by Sir Walter Scott. Had to read it for my masters. Uh, it was a struggle. Um, lots of pages of, of waffle. 
And um, when I got to the end, I was like, so actually, really, one thing happened. And it took 500 pages for this <laughs> to happen, most of which are a jousting match. <laughs> um, and again, terrible use of vernacular throughout, painful mm. use of vernacular, and also lots of, of racism, which, you know, obviously it's an early 19th century book, so different times. Not a massive surprise, but yeah, um, still. But yes, it was just, you know just dreadful it was a real struggle to get through and i thought well you know so walter this is why no one reads you anymore i, know. I was saying that to a neighbor the other day and she she does read him she's um and i think she was saying she's um, she's american she moved to the country about eight years ago i think and she was very excited about being in britain because she thought everyone would read walter scott and it was you know rather crushing discovered that nobody yes. read walter scott um yeah. may not be quite true although it's quite amusing in edinburgh where you see that enormous statue yeah. dedicated to him and think well at least that's there it's very you know very nice but again good luck finding anyone who's read anything by him yeah although you I mean, have it's really so not, you <laughs> but only for academic reasons yes i have read an essay he wrote about the about the fantastic that was very useful for my thesis but that is that is all i've read by him and all i'm likely to read by him um yeah, and my no, final one is um a book we did for podcasts that I seem to have grown to hate more and more since we did the episode, which is The Fountain Overflows by Rekka West, which, when we talked about it, I think, I, I disliked it, but I think it's just, I've, I've got so cross about those characters and it's just snowballed. This is really <laughs> painful to me. Yeah. And I love that book. I know. But yes, as we discussed in the episode, which people can go back and find out, it's it's largely, it seems to be about the horror of somebody who really enjoys music and who plays music that other people really enjoy, but is not inverted commas good at music. Um, and you know, the shame this brings on the family and how much they must try and prevent her from shaming them. And I just hate anything that thinks that perfection is more important than enjoyment and giving others enjoyment. And I felt very much that Rebecca West agreed with the, with the awful characters. Um, there are other things in that book too, but that's, that was, you know, enough to, to make me just extremely cross. Increasingly cross. <laughs> so there you go. Now, the question, tact versus attack. Do we now feel cleansed? Do we feel like we have, you know, Whew. helped re recover from these experiences? Or do we feel that we have dirtied ourselves more by talking about them? No, I think it's good to talk about them. I think, um, you know, I, I think often people read books because based on, you know, marketing campaigns and what have you, um, I think it's important to be honest, particularly when a book really is not worth the money, especially new books. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you do see a lot of bloggers who say that they never review things negatively, um, and they they have policies about that. Obviously, people will do what they like on their blogs. Um, I don't have that policy. Uh, partly, I think because it makes it more. Um, meaningful when i do like a book if it's if i've said things about books i don't like because otherwise if you if you like every book you write about or if you write about every book you like and no others then i don't know just how do you know which are the really great ones uh, but i do have a policy that i will not write a negative review of a book if the author is alive and i think it's going to be one of very few reviews that they get so if it's yes. you know, um an, a small indie publisher or if it's self-published um then, yeah, then yes, I'm definitely to... more tactful in what I say if I yeah. think there's a chance that the could read it. 
Yeah, whereas, I mean, Dan Brown's not staying awake at night wondering why I didn't like the Da Vinci Code. So, <laughs> um, do you have any difference in in what you're willing to say about books online and to your you know friends and colleagues in person? No, I mean, I'm, I always say as I feel um, that I'd probably be a little bit more careful about what I said online than I would in person because, again, if I would especially if the person is alive and, and could potentially come across it, I wouldn't want to be terribly horrible about yeah. it. And I'm never personal, like, you know, this person is a terrible person for writing this book. But, you know, if I don't like something, I don't like it. And I'm, I'm going to say, because I do think that, you know, people that read my blog normally, uh, certainly people who've been reading it for a while, tend to trust my taste. And I wouldn't want mm. to lie to people and say, oh, if you like the books I like, you'll like this. because And then make them go and buy something. And then they'd be like, oh, well, that was a bit of a rubbish recommendation. Yeah. Uh, so I think it is important to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to be honest, though, I am pretty good at choosing books for myself. And I do know really what I... I know my own taste. I don't often read a book that I genuinely hate unless I've been asked to read it for a book club yeah. or, yeah. you know, something else like that. It's quite rare for me to find something that I think, well, this is a load of rubbish. I mean, there were only a couple of books last year that I read that, you know, had been, I got, I got um, fooled by clever marketing campaigns. <laughs> Dear Mrs. Bird, I remember being one of them. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that was a disappointment because it should have been everything that I, I liked, you know, and I just couldn't believe it when I found it so terrible. Um, and I think as well, you know, this is something that, I mean, I've, I, mean, I don't want to offend anybody by saying this, but that's one of the reasons why I very rarely um, accept review copies mm -hmm. because um, I feel like if I've got a review copy, then I kind of have to say something nice about it. And it, if I don't like it, then I feel dishonest saying that I do like it. And there are, I think, quite a lot of blogs out there now that largely operate on a, I'm doing this because I get free stuff. And I do tend to find I don't trust people who have those sorts of blogs because I think, well, you're not really going to say anything negative because then, you know, you, you might feel that people are going to stop sending you free, free stuff. Um, so, you see what I mean? Yeah, mean? and I think, I mean, I think, that certainly does happen. I think we're probably the book corner of the internet is more protected from that than, you know, the makeup or the hotels or what or cars yeah. or whatever where they, they have to, you know, do their ads or, you know, paid reviews. Uh, but I think it probably does happen. And and as you know, neither of us read a huge number of contemporary novels, so we're probably mm. less um on these target lists. And, you know, I don't yeah. think there's many, many bloggers who are the same as us who will just be very honest. Um yeah. but yeah, I think if I if I do take a, re a review book, um, I it was once given one that I just hated so much. I see what I'm saying. It's just, I, I, I'm grateful that you've sent this to me, but there's just no point in me writing about it because you didn't send it to me to get a negative review online somewhere. <laughs> so I'm just not going to no. write anything. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's quite the same. I wish I certainly wouldn't lie about it. But, um, no. yeah, it seems a bit mean to be like, Hi, PR person. Thanks for sending me this book. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to deter <laughs> people from buying much. it. <laughs> no, I've certainly done that before where I've received something and started reading it and been like, actually, this really, I can't really find anything positive to say about this at all. Um, and it's not necessarily because it's bad book. It's just, it's just completely not to my taste. Um, or isn't what the marketing material says it is, which I find a lot of the time um, to be the case. 
much like when you watch a trailer for a film and then watch the film and think, oh, well, actually, all the good bits were in the trailer. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I love reading... Um, what's the word for a really terrible review? I can't remember the word for it. But uh, hatchet jobs, that's it. I love hatchet jobs when you know, people just really go off in the deep end about yeah. why a book is terrible. And they're always the most fun, particularly if they're about books that are either, you know, the Dan Brown level of ridiculously bad or a, a, I often enjoy it when it's well-known classics or book authors who don't care what, what that reviewer thinks. Um, yeah. I had great fun tearing apart, for example, the beginning of Mary Webb's uh, Gone to Earth. Oh, yeah. It was really fun. Uh, and Mary Webb, let me tell you, has her aficionados and her devoted fans who are not happy with you for <laughs> from criticising her. But, but um, yes, it also hopefully stopped people reading her stuff, stopped people spending money on those terrible books. <laughs> Ow, what do you do? I mean, they are terrible. Oh, <laughs> Greaves. Get off the table. This cat of yours, honestly. I know. So disruptive. <laughs> right, I'm back, sorry. <laughs> he is in a particularly feisty mood this evening, it seems. He doesn't like your attention being diverted. <laughs> I know, I should be playing with you. As cat for you, selfish creatures. <laughs> Perfect is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well. Well, only recently Liana emailed to say how much she enjoys it when Hargreaves makes his presence known. So this is for you, Liana. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make this about what the what the listeners was. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So yes, oh, I think we have come to the conclusion. <laughs> Go away, right? Ow! Right, I was going to shut him out of the room. Back in a minute. Right back. <laughs> scratching at the door to get back in uh, so yes I think we have come to the conclusion well at least I have come to the conclusion attack over tact although it doesn't sound well, very yeah, on- definitely. Yes. but um, do let us know which books you've hated and if you've loved any of the books that we said we hated and if you did we hope you still listen and still like us okay so um, you suggested that we should compare these two classics well, in fact, which I feel like we don't really need to summarise in fact, it was Rebecca who got in touch to suggest ah. we do these. Um, and normally I just blame Sorry, Rachel Rebecca. if we haven't recorded for a while. But now I can blame Rebecca because you chose a really long book for us, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you hadn't read it before, had you, North and South? I hadn't. And to, do you think that we can get away without summarising North and South? Do you think it's well known think I think probably we can. Okay. Um, so yes, this was my... Uh, if you don't know what happened in North and South, then Google it. Yeah. <laughs> Although when it's you look, at, long, when you look at the TV series comes above the book on Wikipedia, which was a bit sad. No, I think the TV series is pretty good actually, which is a shocker when you think about the source material. Oh well, someone's <laughs> nailing their colours to the mass. Um, broadly, it's about <laughs> Hale who moves from Putting the south. All my cars <laughs> uh, she moves from the south to the north uh, and um, into the town of Milton, which is apparently based on Manchester. Uh, so yes, it, as you say, it was my. My first time reading it, I had read a couple of Gaskells. I read Cranford and Wives and Daughters um, before, again, before university, along with Wuthering Heights when I was um, doing my, my Victorian literature reading list. And um, I really liked them. So it wasn't a deliberate uh, avoidance of Gaskell after that. But um, somehow I'd not read another one in the 15 years since. But uh, I actually 
enjoyed it quite a lot. So, um, what did I like about it? I didn't quite work out why, like, the whole premise of the book. I know that they had to move because her father, who was a vicar, had to leave being an Anglican vicar. And I wasn't really sure why. It seemed to be some issue to do with theology that I didn't understand. But apparently the only the only answer was to move to a, to a yeah. industrial town in the north. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's um, certainly more polemical than Pride and Prejudice, and it's not funny. It doesn't try to be funny. At least, at least if it does, I could not work out where that was. <laughs> uh, and indeed, uh-huh. the introduction to the copy I was reading said that it was an industrial rewriting of Pride and Prejudice, so I didn't know how intentional that was. Um, when did you first read it? So I did a course at university uh, first time around um, on Jessica Elliot and Nickin. So I spent an entire term reading all of Elizabeth Caskell's books, um, apart from Wives and Daughters, which I missed the lecture that week because I just I didn't have enough time to read it, um, and I still haven't read it. Um, and yeah, you know, I didn't mind it. I think I was in the mind frame of. I was reading that period of, you know, I knew where I was getting myself in for. Um, and I don't, you know, I like Elizabeth Gaskell, um to some extent, I think. Cause she's, I certainly prefer her to Elliot, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I find Elizabeth Gaskell to be a very he- heavy-handed author. I find her very preachy. Um, and I find that she uses her characters as mouthpieces in a way that Jane Austen never does. And so you've got characters who are a little bit cardboard cut out in a sense that, you know, they're, they're there to represent a particular social point. And um, mm. she has a clear agenda for each of her novels. And so, for example, the, is it Betty, Bessie, the friend of um, Margaret's who is dying? Yes, I can't remember her name now, but yes. I think it's Bessie. And he's always talking about, you know, oh, my life's so hard and I can't wait to get to heaven and um, where the world is going to be better. And every time she sees her, she's talking about how wonderful um, heaven's going to be and how, you know, it's going to be so much better than life on earth. And oh, mm-hmm. will she just sit and read the Bible with her and things like this? I mean, and I love Jesus as much as the next person, but yeah. <laughs> I just think, seriously, would anyone have ever spoken like this? Would anyone, an uneducated factory girl have begged her friend when she came round to sit with her and read the Bible together and then and to talk about how wonderful heaven's going to be and how she can't wait to die. I just don't think so. That did um, make me think so of I just that find famous... her type completely unrealistic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so that did remind me of that famous line of Oscar Wilde's about the old curiosity shop, that um, one would have to have a heart of stone not to laugh at the death of little Nell. So, yeah. yes, it was I wild. was so glad when Bessie died. I was like, thank goodness. Now we can... <laughs> Um. Yeah. She. She was a lot. <laughs> uh. I think what what I did like about it was that uh. What I know like a lot of things about it was that um. I felt Margaret was a sympathetic heroine. I felt felt quite interested being around her. I don't think she. I mean, she doesn't compare to Elizabeth Bennet. I think it's very unfair to put her up against Elizabeth Bennet because nobody compares with her. She's amazing, no. and it's extremely hard to write a character who is that introspective and also funny and wise and unwise and you know very lovable um whilst also being very frustrating you know Jane Austen created a miracle in Elizabeth Bennet essentially and then Margaret Hale is <laughs> as you say more of a 
I don't know, a, a, a mouthpiece for Elizabeth Gaskell's inverted commas left wing views, although it's not that left wing to think that it, people deserve to be able to eat, which seems to be about the strength of her socialism. But, um, and I even found the, uh, so there's, there's, you know, a gruff gentleman nearby, John Thornton. Uh, will, will they end up together? Yes, of course. <laughs> it's very obvious, almost from the first instant they appear on the page. <laughs> but, um, and indeed he proposes fairly early on I suppose so is Mr Darcy yeah, but she seems to be in love with him and he in love with her from more or less page five so the obstacles <laughs> don't seem don't seem quite genuine but I I nevertheless enjoyed it yeah I mean it's and I was actually quite struck this time actually by the similarities between the two and I underlined a few examples when I was reading of, of how they're both described as being pride and proud and and, yes, and yeah. I, I do wonder whether I mean, I don't know enough about Elizabeth Gaskell and her writing processes and her reading to know whether she did intentionally, you know, create her own version of, of Pride and Prejudice or not. But I do think Margaret's a lovely character. I do enjoy reading her. And I enjoy Mr. Thornton as well. It's all just the rest of the faff that goes <laughs> on on the side. And, you know, these ridiculous characters who are just completely unrealistic. Um, she does the same in, in Mary Barton as well. She, and Ruth, as there just has these characters where I just think nobody would ever have spoken like this. And I find it hard to believe that contemporary readers would have read it and, and felt emotionally involved with such complete and utter characters who were just mouthpieces for Elizabeth Gaskell's very, um, over the top preaching at them i just i find it really frustrating when authors really push their own agendas on you and make it so obvious and don't make an attempt to make their characters real people and instead they just it's like she's just reading from each character just reading from a script okay you are um you know dying um dying child with religious feelings you are this person you're the you're the laborer who um you know has been hard done by and is educated and frustrated and we're going to convert you to this by the end of the novel it's all just you could just see it all happening it's like writing by numbers and to some extent and i just think she's she's too heavy i did enjoy bessie's dad i quite enjoy um i I um, find him annoying (laughs) you can't even remember his name i think that says it all oh i never remember anyone's name how stop it (laughs) go away Oh, well, you locked that cut out. I did, but he was meowing so much I let him in. <laughs> it was my mistake. Um, uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed the, the, the him sort of just being like, oh, give it a rest, Bessie, but also genuinely, you know, moved by her plight at the same time. I don't know. Maybe I'm more of a sentimentalist than I realised. And I also, I, I also find the dad a very frustrating character. Um, bless him, but, but quite so- endearing, no? Yeah, I mean, he's endearing, but it's also just useless. I think, come on. How could he yes. be so useless? I usually feel like he could just have moved five miles down the road. There was no real... I know, yeah, there's no... There's, it's very tenuous, the whole thing. It's like, okay, so you've, you've lost your belief in the Anglican Church. Fine. Does that mean you have to leave where you live? Probably not. Also, how are you able to afford to live by tutoring a couple of people (laughs) well that's milton for you i mean bizarre Uh, (laughs) i do wonder how many of the original audience were southerners and i assume most because um as speaking of somebody who is both well indeed has lived in the north the midlands and the south and thus um all things to all people 
Um, <laughs> I was amused by the sort of just general acceptance that the North is this grim hellhole of soot and yeah. ill education, and people who do just walk around being like, "Oh, don't you don't?" Oh, no, it's my West Country accent. I can't do a Northern accent, but just you know, all you Southerners with your fancy education, and we've just got muck. <laughs> so it's just, it was bizarre. Yeah, I mean, um, it was. I, mean, I know that she had lovely intention behind it. You know, she wanted to to make everyone aware of the situation people were living in, and you know, the the hardships and the terrible hunger and suffering and things like this. And, you know, great. But how about do it in a way that actually makes me care about the characters rather than just creating these ciphers for what you want to to make us all feel bad about? It's just yeah. and too so, much I mean, for me. Whilst I agree with most of what you're saying, I still really liked it, and I think that's probably just the quality of her writing. I don't, yeah, I don't dislike her books. Like I've, I did read most, reread most of it, and I did enjoy most of it. I, I, I enjoy the relationship between Margaret and Mister Thornton very much. I think she does write them very well. Um, but and just on a sentence by sentence level, she's a very good. She, she is the a balance very of sentences writer. very well, and you know yeah. she's. I, I did miss humour because I remember. I mean, yeah. Cranford is quite funny. Oh, that's uh, the thing. I that's the first Gaskell I read, and yeah. I thought, oh my goodness, she's amazing. I remember reading it. I must have been eighteen or so. I remember reading it on the bus on my way to work. So in when I worked in Sainsbury's, um, and chuckling away to myself, thinking, "This is amazing. This is so funny. This is just like Jane Austen." And then excitedly reading North and South or Mary Barton or whichever one I read first and thinking oh how on earth is this the same author because it just it feels completely different in tone um, subject matter um, and I think it's a shame that she didn't write more comic novels because she does have a gift for comedy but she seems to forget that she has a gift in all of these <laughs> you know social purpose novels that she writes and um, I think a little bit more humour would make her novels more those novels more successful would make them certainly perhaps last the test of time a bit more because you don't see people picking Gaskell up these days although apparently when the TV series came out there was a lot of people who went and bought bought this one well yes so that will have helped I wonder how many of them finished it (laughs) Uh, but it was as you say there are so many similarities particularly in the "Quote unquote romance plot um, yeah. that, that between Pride and Prejudice and North and South um, that it does feel all the more obvious that it's not funny because Pride and Prejudice is so funny. Uh, I mean, that it's I am one of the things that is so amazing about it is that you care deeply about what happens to Elizabeth whilst also just finding the cast ridiculous because Mrs. Bennet and Mr. Bennet um, and Mr. Bingley and quite a few of the cast aren't any more realistic than the characters in Elizabeth Gaskell. You're not, no one is quite like them. They're definitely heightened versions, but yeah. um, somehow that works to make you laugh at how ridiculous it is, whilst at the same time thinking, I really want at least some of these <laughs> these sisters to be able to get out of their um, trapped future, I guess. Yeah, I think what Jane Austen does well is that she writes real people and people that, you know, yes, they're, as you say, they're heightened versions of reality, but they have 100% recognisable qualities to them. And I think that's the problem with Gaskell is that a lot of her characters are not recognisable and not people that you have met and don't have character traits that you recognise. Um, and I suppose that's true. Someone like Mr. Bennett is just an exaggerated version of, of traits you will see, whereas nobody's quite like Bessie, are they? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, exactly. I mean, I've never yeah. met anyone like Bessie, and I neither would I like to. <laughs> um, and it's yeah, there's that's that wonderful sense when you read Jane Austen of oh yeah, I recognise this person or oh, that's just like you know you could everyone can call to mind a Mr Collins or a Mr Elton, um, and it's they just feel fresh and alive and they speak for themselves. They, they don't have, Jane Austen doesn't have a, an agenda in the way that, so this is what makes her, I think, so unique amongst 19th century novelists is that she didn't write with an agenda. She didn't mm-hmm. want to um, push anything on anybody. She doesn't make her characters mouthpieces. She also avoids talking about politics and religion and all that and anything that might be divisive. Um, and, just focuses on everyday life and her characters are realistic in what they talk about in what they care about and because of that we care about them and she is also hilarious and that is a hundred percent what is missing from Gaskell's novels because I think if she had a bit more humor like for example if you look at Cranford you Mm. do recognize those characters and they're funny because they're recognizable um yeah I should say to go back a couple steps that um I I did like that not so much Bessie, but you know Margaret talking about faith in in a way that felt um, that felt real and just you know a part of her life as it is for people who have strong faith and that sort of thing that you don't really get in many novels now that certainly not ones that I've come across or even many novels from the fifties onwards. Um, so that much um, I did enjoy, and I also don't mind a novelist. Um, pushing a view or having an opinion because, you know, it's their prerogative, I guess. Uh, I think there is an issue if, if it's crowded dialogue that doesn't seem realistic, which did. No, well, sometimes. I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I, I don't mind that either. And I certainly, you know, I, I don't have a problem with, with books having a political message or anything like that, but I do mind when it's shoehorned into conversations and it makes people, the, the dialogue that characters have, unrealistic um and this is you know it's actually interesting it's something i've been talking about a lot at school at the moment because we're doing a playwriting club with some of the older children and a lot of them find it really hard to write dialogue without having massive monologues of uh, you know this is what i think about this and that and the other and a lot of the work i've been doing with them is is getting them to like stage it for each other and then be like right okay do you really think people speak like that and they're like oh actually no we don't do we and i feel like that a lot with gaskell is that i just think people don't have those kind of conversations or people don't talk at that amount of length about Mm -hmm. these things but i agree with you entirely I, i love margaret as a character and i love her religious faith and her way of it just it's completely part of who she is um and that's certainly something i recognize very much with you know my own christian faith um Mm -hmm. and it's not something that i would need to sit and and have like an in-depth chat about and um you know i I feel like with bessie it's like she says all this stuff as if i i am this character and these are my beliefs and everything else and nobody sits down with someone for the first time and gives them a massive monologue about can I just talk you through exactly what articles of, um, you know, the Anglican Church I agree and disagree <laughs> with? And, you know, it's just like no one has these conversations. Yeah, so it's like, oh, well, I'm soon going to dive at the pearly gates for be blessing. Do you want a cup of tea? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, so, Pride and Prejudice, we love it. Is there anything you think is wrong with it? No, I think it's probably one of the most perfect novels 
I think it's probably is. I do think it's a perfect novel, and I think its perfection is is obvious in the fact that you can read it again and again and again, and you can find something new in it every time to delight you, something that you didn't notice before, um, and you can revisit particular elements of characters and see something different about them and it's never not funny um and it's the perfect length all the characters are wonderful um or wonderfully annoying and (laughs) it it's just the most i just it always makes me happy to read it every time i read it and i start reading and i get back into the world i just think oh i love this book so much why don't i read it more often Yes, I was hoping to have time to reread it for the podcast, but I didn't manage to. Yeah. Maybe I will now. But yeah, I was, t- I was trying to think if there, if there are any flaws that I could pinpoint. And yeah, I just can't think of any because, I mean, we, we talk about how great the characters are and how great the humour is in the writing, but it was also just, in terms of plotting, she's second to none. It's just so cleverly structured. Um, I think the best structured of any of her novels. Uh, and yeah, it's it's so impressive that she can combine basically everything that makes a novelist good and put it into one. <laughs> um, so ultimately, I think North and South was doomed to fail. <laughs> yeah, I would and, be surprised to find somebody who preferred Gaskell over Austin, to be honest. That would be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear if people do, because I know sometimes there's a bit of a Bronte's versus Austin battle and some people come out one yeah. side or the other. Yeah, why do you have people who can't stand Austin? He's say, oh no, yeah, I hate her, but it's yeah. really boring, don't but you really can't see it. And I mean, I, I I can't understand that at all. And there are, I mean, we've talked about how she doesn't really talk about um, political things or or anything ideological. And certainly people have criticised her for that, which I always think is absurd because, you know, you don't have to <laughs> include those mm. things. Um, and yeah, so Elizabeth Gaskell certainly had a moral point to make. And if that might be important oh, to people. She makes it. Yes. Actually, yes. I don't know if you noticed it. They <laughs> 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 hit on the head with it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that people might finish you with that, but I do not. And I am choosing Pride and Prejudice over both that and possibly every other novel that's ever yeah. been published. <laughs> um, well, so there you go. but do you get in touch if you are a team Elizabeth? Um, and thank you for suggesting it, Rebecca. We had great fun discussing it. And I, I did really enjoy it. I'm glad that I had the excuse to read it because you know me in long books. It was probably never going to happen unless I was forced into it. <laughs> but um, I didn't. No. No. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's a certain taste. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And I'll, I'm going to read more, but I'll space them out a bit. I'll probably just go back to Cranford. <laughs> yeah. Which um, also has a wonderful adaptation that the BBC made. Yes, it does. Nice bit of Judy that you always love. I know, can't go wrong with it, Judy. And Annie Atkins, and yeah, it's great. Emma Staunton, Judy McKenzie, <laughs> <laughs> Julia Sawala. Anyway, it's uh, <laughs> the DVD's available, you should buy it. Um, so, now is the moment of truth about what we're reading oh, for yes. this episode. I forgot um, about that. Yeah, I'm quite excited. I've been hating Elizabeth Gaskell, but... <laughs> It's Mary Barton. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> the book, Rachel, uh, that I have chosen for you is Blue Remembered Hills by Rosemary Sutcliffe. Have you read it? Okay. No, I haven't. Do you know anything about it? Uh, nothing at all. Okay. So it is a memoir um, of her childhood. Okay. And I think you'll love it. I hope you'll love it. Okay. You That's sound nervous about it. <laughs> I am nervous about it. Why are you nervous? Um, but I don't know. I guess I don't <laughs> like it. Um, is it easy to get hold of? 
Um, I think so. Slightly Foxed printed it as one of their paperbacks as well as one of their hardbacks. So that is a hopefully available option. Um, if okay. not, you can borrow my copy. Okay. I'm just going to Google it quickly to see how much it is. Um, Blue Remembered Hills. And Sutcliffe does not have an E on the end. Just you know, FYI. Yes, you can get it for a penny plus postage on Amazon. <laughs> okay, correct. Not in a different edition, um, still. What am I reading? Right. You are reading, um, which I hope you haven't read, um, <laughs> Seasoned Timber by uh, Dorothy Canfield. Ah, I've not read it. Different. And um, I would be very happy to. So I haven't checked whether it's possible for you to buy it. I probably should have a look because I bought it um, in a shop years ago. Okay, but it's wonderful. Doing another quick... I mean, I can't buy it. Can I make... Can this be an excuse? Yeah. <laughs> A reason to buy something. Well, I can always send you my coffee. <laughs> it's also available for a, for a penny. penny on Amazon. Yes, also very cheaply available. I just have to make more exceptions to my rules. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, well, I'm excited to find out what we both think of those books. Hopefully, they will be successful. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah. I know, I can remember how, how nervous, how nerve-wracking it was last time. But. Right, yes, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, do let us know which books you hate. <laughs> Just end on a positive note. Um, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye.